You are listening to episode 10 of Daughters on Fire with Robin and Melissa. In today's episode, we're going to be tackling the big question of why is mom so mean? You may be feeling this and it may not just be your mom. It may be your dad or another loved one that you're caring for, but you may be experiencing that frailty, decline, cognitive impairment is making them downright mean. So what do you do? How do you deal with this and is it normal? Well, we're going to dive deep and we're going to share stories with you so you know that you're not alone in this experience and maybe some tips on how you can handle this and experience the situation just a little bit better. So stay tuned. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. I want to welcome back. Robin to the show, our resource guru extraordinaire, um, as we continue our series on Is It Normal? So Robin, the last time we talked, we talked about Is It Normal related to sibling relationships. And today we were going to talk a little bit more about all the experiences we have working with families on Is It Normal related to parent issues. And so let's kick it off by answering this um, question from one of our listeners is, is it normal for my mom to be so mean? And I think we can in unison both say yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you start, kick us off and uh, tell us your experience with that. And um, because I know we both have some stories that will probably either make our listener very sad or or at least happy that they're not alone in this world so (laughs) well tell us what is your experience it is totally normal and it it, so some parents don't ever reach that but most do um and you look at it from the viewpoint of their world has turned upside down as well whether it just be getting older and being dependent on somebody or actually having a disease a dementia of some sort that triggers the behavior, but um, they're frustrated. Their body doesn't work like it used to. They can't do things as long as they used to. They tire quickly. They have to take a nap. They can't hear you most of the time. And that's a huge part of it that they misunderstand what's going on or they're in a crowded room and they can't decipher sounds and voices and conversations. So they're feeling isolated. So their first response is to snap back. And, of course, we always snap at the ones we love the most. Mm -hmm. And um, in addition to that, as they age, their filter goes away. So I know most of you know what we're talking about as they might be walking down the street and very loudly point out some young girl that they think is dressed inappropriately or some action that's going on that they don't agree with. And we all sort of cringe thinking, oh, my goodness, that's my mother talking out loud for everybody to hear. So when the filter goes, they don't remember those niceties uh, of being kind to people. And they feel like they're sort of self-absorbed in their own world. 
and it's all about them. And if you don't comply, they're just going to be nasty. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I want to add to what you're saying is there's a point in the disease process where they can be on and they can be off. And it's so much easier to be off with, like you said, people you love. So that's when you're more prone to get irritable, snippy, and just take out all your frustrations on that person that is a loving, safe person place. Now, it doesn't feel very loving when you show up and everybody at, at, you know, the memory care unit is telling you how sweet your mom is. And then behind closed doors, she just tells you how horrible you are or how you've let her down or how everything is just terrible and you've put her in this terrible place. And the, the complaining is one thing that I hear a lot of. For example, um, you know, she'll say, I hate this place. The food is terrible. Everybody here is, is sick. And I don't know why you've done this to me. And how could you do this to me? And blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the daughter then goes and talks to the staff. And they're like, she had two helpings of dessert today. And, and she has a little social circle around her. And everybody just thinks she's the happiest little clam around. And it's like, what what happened? And it's just a way for them, again, when they're on, they're on. And yeah, they are really enjoying themselves. But when they get to that person, their security blanket where they feel safe, they can start to feel the feelings that they've bottled up, which is, um, I'm losing control. This is not the life I want for myself. And it all comes out. And honestly, sometimes in those scenarios, it may be good for that security blanket because it's really not all that good for them to vent like that, in, in my opinion. Sometimes it's good for that person not maybe to take a break and, and not be there as much because it is an um, like a igniter of anger and frustration um, and sometimes or a trigger. You know, it may be good that, hey, you don't need to visit mom every night because when you come, she's it just upsets you both. Maybe take a break and maybe visit once or twice a week. Do you I totally have, do you, agree with that? Yes. Um, and it's it does seem to be certain things that will trigger a friend could stop by and, and ask my mom a question about driving. And boy, I'd get a phone call and it would be on and on about why did you take my keys away? And I, it's out of nowhere. I had no idea what was going on. But at, towards the end, I realized somebody had been to visit today mm. and it brought that back to her mind. So she started in on that. Um, you know, the funny thing you were mentioning about uh, if they're in a facility and they're complaining they haven't done this and they haven't done that. And my mom would say, well, I'm just sitting here. Look at these four walls. Well, had she been at home, she would have been looking at the same four or different four walls, but it'd still be the four walls. But my answer often was when she was in the facility is, well, that's your choice because mm. there are activities going on and you could get up and, and go participate in those. But you have to be the one, the motivator for that. But again, yeah. like you said, they're always so sweet to everybody else. And people to this day tell me what a wonderful, sweet woman my mother was. And I'm thinking... You have no idea. Yes. And, then, <laughs> and this 
is another thing I hear a lot about is that it seems like they pick on the daughters um, and one daughter in particular, you know, the out of town daughter may not really get that the brunt of it. But what's really painful is when there's like a golden child and it's the son. And every time the son comes in to visit, it's, you know, it's just like, Oh, he's the best. He's, you know, he's, I just look up to him. He takes such good care of me. (laughs) Well, and a funny story to that. I have a girlfriend who um, is the out of town daughter and her sister is in town and it is so interesting. She would tell me that she talked, her, their mother talked to each of them differently. So I was visiting one afternoon and my friend picked up the phone and called her mother and her mother was just nasty. And then she said, mom, this is so-and-so. This isn't my, you know, and she said her sister's name and immediately her mother switched over and was as sweet as pie. It was so interesting to watch that, but you're right. That's what they do. They, they take it out on one. It's a little bit like um, the divorced family playing one parent against the other. Um, And it it is hurtful Uh, just because something's going on. Doesn't mean that it's okay. I remember saying to my mom at one point, you, I know that you're upset right now, but the things you are saying to me are things a mother should never say to a daughter. And unfortunately, this is what I will remember. Mm. Did and that she, impact her at all? <laughs> for five minutes. And, <laughs> and she did. She apologized. And then it was about five minutes later, she started in again. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the attention I did, span with dementia doesn't help right. in that regard. So I had a little bit of a reprieve. But, and you know, at the end, it turned out that she did thank me and mm-hmm. um, for everything I had done. But what I remember the most, I can still hear her saying that those things to me. Those hurtful things. Right. Well, and I guess um, also this is, this is why going back to kind of what we were talking about complications with, with sibling relationships, this is one of the reasons why it may be hard for siblings is because the experiences that each one of them has with their parent may be different. And unless they really respect that, maybe it's harder for one than the other, or one is, is, like the son really wants to help the sister out, but the sister resents the fact that he's seen as the golden child. Um, yeah, it just, there's so many nuances and complications that it really takes some non judgmental curiosity and compassion from everybody involved. And that's the hard part. And that's where, you know, getting support along the way from some impartial assistance would, would be awesome. Um, well, and let me just add quickly to that that we understand it, we know it, we see it, but that's not always logical. And so there are times that your feelings get hurt and you strike out and that's okay too, Mm -hmm. because you're normal and and you're human and those things happen. It's not going to be the end of the world. You will probably regret at some point those things, but it certainly didn't hurt your parent or change their opinion of you. It was just your reaction. So don't, beat yourself up if you're in a situation like that. Yeah, I definitely second that and, and realize that there's always another day to to move forward in a, in a better way for you right. and your family. So, yeah, don't beat yourself up over the past. Absolutely. All right. So on to the second question. Um, is it normal 
that my mom, who was always dressed to the nines and always super clean and fastidious, um, that she has stopped bathing and she really doesn't care less. In fact, is very resistant to it. Is that normal, Robin? <laughs> it is normal. Unfortunately, it is. I, I remember pointing out stains and my mom would get dressed and she'd walk away from me because she knew I'd make her go and change her clothes to the point of um, when she wasn't looking, I would take her clothes out of the house and replace them with clean clothes <clears throat> that were not stained. But uh, some of it is one, they feel like, well, I haven't done anything, so I don't need to bathe. Mm-hmm. Number two, their skin has changed. And number three, there's a fear. There's a fear of falling in the shower. There's a fear of falling in the tub. And so they just tend to not bathe as much. And probably their um, senses have lessened as far as smell and things of that nature. So they can't smell if they're bad. And I do remember my mom saying, can you smell me? Is, is it okay? And at one point I said, no, you, you really need to bathe today. And she did because she still had that much dignity going on. But there were other times that we would say, you know, you need to try to do this at least three times a week. And she was resistant. Well, and I think also to that point, if if part of this disease process is that it takes away a lot of your executive functioning, it takes away your ability to calculate time, you don't remember the last time you bathed or didn't bathe, you, you know, and if you, it, if it takes away your ability to motivate, self-motivate and get in there and, and take, be an, you know, initiate self-care, then you're really not going to be motivated. And if your senses are dulled, you're not smelling or seeing or even perceiving the need to continue bathing and getting in, like you said, to the shower is, it's a lot more complicated than we realize because, you know, there's kind of preparation, getting a towel, getting, you know, making sure the sequencing's all, you know, there and um, washing your, like all of it. You, if you forget the steps involved, then it's going to be very tricky to do things like self-care. And all of that starts to add up. And the first thing people do, you know, when you, Before you get to the point where you lose total self-awareness, you hit a wall of complete denial. And in that moment, anything people tell you feels like it's just a beach. Like, no, you're completely lying to me. (laughs) I just made the (laughs) other day. What are you, crazy? (laughs) You know, I mean, and they truly believe that. I have had so many people say, why are they lying to me? Like, they aren't lying to you. They really believe that they just bathed and that you're being super cruel to them to ask them to go and bathe. They truly believe that. So, your judgmental daughter. Yes. You're, how, how dare you accuse me of not being clean? So, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated part of the journey. And I believe it was, you know, Tipa Snow and probably other professionals out there. And I think you've said this, um, I think you were saying this. And so please speak to it more is that the skin becomes different and you just, the need to bathe is not as critical as it once was. There's more room for dignity issues, but the breakdown of the skin is not necessarily the most critical component at that point. Right. And with dementia patients, there is the element 
that they're fearful of the shower where the water is coming down on their head because they they don't remember what a shower is. And if <clears throat> you aren't aware of it and all of a sudden somebody turns on this water, whether it be a cold shot right in the beginning or um, very warm, that it's it's scary. It's scary if you're not aware of it. So that adds to it as well. But yes, um, there isn't a need to bathe as much, but you still do have to um, look towards hygiene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the, yes. And I, I will say, absolutely. I'm backtracking, Robin, because, you know, this is what the journey's all about. Sometimes you backtrack. But yes, <laughs> the the need to bathe probably weekly diminishes from oh i was a shower taker every every day you know to like oh mom takes a shower in in fact in facilities they don't bathe them they do they don't do a formal shower every day so for families to start to realize that that somebody doesn't necessarily need a bath every day or shower every day in order to be healthy and clean now if it gets to where it lingers on there are things like you know infections um with UTIs and other issues related to peri care that would become an issue. And again, lots of resources out there, but it's just trial and error to find out what works in order to overcome that bathing issue. Right. And as we know that um, a shower feels great, a bath feels great. It does make you feel refreshed. It, it perks you up. So um, that we, I think we also subconsciously want that for them just to feel that cleanliness again and, and just feel, feel good about themselves. But we just have to be mindful n- not to um, overstep our bounds and push them into things that aren't necessary. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. All right. Now on to our third one for today in our Is It Normal series. Is it normal for mom or dad to say and do very inappropriate things. <laughs> that goes back to the filter. When the filter is gone, they don't know that that executive functioning of <clears throat> filtering out, we don't cuss in public, we don't take our clothes off in public, we don't expose ourselves, that's gone. And they don't remember that etiquette and those type things. So it is normal. And it's best to um, not scold when this happens, just redirect and move on. Uh, I think we talked a little bit last time about it's really helpful. A lot of people find a, a shame in dementia or getting older and they don't tell people, they don't share that with people. And I think as you share it with your community and your friends that are close to you and they're aware of these behaviors, they're not going, the family, the friends are not going to be shocked. They're going Mm -hmm. to understand what's going on and help it. That doesn't necessarily take the embarrassment away from you or, or the situation, but it does explain it. And education is everything. Yeah. Um, I think sexuality at this point is something that becomes an, um, more prominent. I won't say it's an issue because you know what, everybody is entitled to their sexuality at any age. But what happens when you get 
with the disease in the prefrontal cortex is impaired, then again, that filter goes away. Then what will happen, especially when there's a need for higher levels of care, if a young woman is helping, assisting with bathing of a gentleman, you know, helping him disrobe and all of that, there, it's only natural for him and his confusion and his lack of filter to say, oh, well, this feels and looks like a very sexual type situation, say and do things that are inappropriate. Um, so it's very important and most caregivers are educated about what to do in those situations. But as a family, again, just continue to remember that, you know, look at it from where they're coming from. Um, and, and I really think our, as a society in, in these environments that the training is so key because you know you don't want to laugh or be disrespectful or not allow somebody their dignity because they're being they're being crude and sexualizing the situation or feeling like just a, a pervert in the situation when that's really, it's a symptom of the disease. It really is. So that's one of the harder things that I've seen in facilities is just really keeping people calm and professional as they deal with the more sexual inappropriateness that comes out. Right. And, and <clears throat> as, as it goes on, there are some things that are <clears throat> funny to share and to take the humor with you, but not necessarily in that moment. It's something that you can think about later and, and sort of enjoy the moment, so to speak, that, boy, this is something mom would never do, but wasn't, was, she would think it was funny if she saw somebody else doing it. So right. um, always, always the humor needs to be a part of it if not we always say if we don't laugh we're going to cry so right i was thinking it helps that, a yeah. lot <laughs> it does it does especially with families because families may feel like they aren't gonna i mean you, nobody's gonna get it right all the time but definitely kind of take things with a grain of salt give yourself a lot of grace in dealing with these issues um i would say coming from a more professional healthcare background that you should be able to expect that high level of professionalism with the any paid caregivers that you bring in and and so that's an area where the training should be there that they handle it very very appropriately they should not be laughing it off at least oh, absolutely you know joking around about it um now like you said everybody kind of needs an outlet but yeah they need to be handling it with the utmost respect families you know it's I'm sure it's very strange when your parent, you know, was a deacon in a church and all of a sudden now he's, he's saying he wants to have sex with some woman down the hallway. I mean, <laughs> can be very, I don't know, earth shattering. That, no, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this dad. What just happened? So, well, and, and again, back to what I had said is that it's not something you do in front of your um, family member that has the disease. It is something that, Memories for later as as you're going through the bad times to talk and share about, but definitely do you bring it up in the eulogy, Robin. Is that <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. You make sure everybody knows. <laughs> no, it's after it's after that as everybody sits around and um, tells the uh, funny stories. 
Right. And that, thank we, God we survived this story. That's right. Absolutely. We had a friend, her husband had dementia. And, um, they woke up one morning and he looked at her and he said, I don't know who you are, but you better get out of bed before my wife gets here. <laughs> and we just had the best chuckle over that. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's those type things that later it, you remember that that was his sweet personality. He would have never hurt his wife in a million years. And that was his sweet, sweet personality that we remembered. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. There's another little tip that I um, was told, like a couple of family members utilize this, and I thought it was awesome, especially if you are a very active caregiver with your loved one and you're taking them out and about and you don't want them to miss out on enjoying life, but they may be more prone to confusion and that may be harder in social settings, is that I've people have created like business cards with a picture of their loved one and a little statement that says, hi, I'm John and I have dementia. Please be patient with me. And that was really helpful. Like when they would go out to eat, the lady, instead of saying something, she would pass it to their server. So the server would know that any kind of confusion or weird comments or questions that they would just be more on the same page and a lot more patient and caring. And it really went a long way for the experience of both the caregiver and um, their loved one really having a much more enjoyable outing in those situations. And quite honestly, I'm sure it was that much better for the people that were engaging with them as well. That is a super idea. I love that. Absolutely. That's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And it's educational. And sometimes, right. you know, it helps to educate the world on what's going on. And now with, you know, really easy to print cards out there, like with Vistaprint or Moo or whatever these card companies are, you can get some business cards made very easily and inexpensively. So not that they're our sponsor for today, but there's a little plug for those companies out there. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Sponsorship. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Well, those three issues I think are, are very important. And as is this whole series, is it normal? And um, we'd love to hear from our listeners. If you have experiences that you would like to know, is it normal? Then reach out to us. Visit us on our Facebook page or email us at robin at daughtersonfire.com. And we will do our best to plug in any questions that you might have as we move forward and we just enjoy doing this together. Robin, thank you so much for partnering with me to answer all these questions. And because um, you are the resource guru, that's going to be your <laughs> official title. And yeah, I just have enjoyed these, um, these questions and we will continue next time in the series of visit normal. So stay tuned for what we have in store. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey, and the Fire Tribe is here to support you. Check us out at DaughtersOnFire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.